Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up, geeks? It's Mike here from Geek Media Core Podcast. I just want to reach out for a second and announce that the show is now part of the Geek Vibes Nation Network, and it's something we're very excited about. Nothing is going to change with the show. You'll just be able to find more from us over on gvnation.com. While I have you here, if we could request that you guys subscribe to the program either on the Geek Media Core iTunes or Google Play channel or at the one for Geek Vibes Nation, we would greatly appreciate it. If you could leave a star rating or a short review, that would be terrific too as it helps others to find the show. Thanks for listening, and now enjoy this week's episode. The wheel of time turns, and ages come and pass. In one age... An age long past, an age yet to come. The Dark One is breaking free of his prison. The hand of evil is spreading across the world, and only the brave dare stand against it. What was, what will be, and what is, may yet fall under the shadow. It began with the forging of the Great Rings. Three were given to the Elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the Dwarf Lords, great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls. And nine, nine rings were gifted to the race of men who above all else desire power. In the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret a master ring to control all others. And into this ring he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. One ring to rule them all. You're listening to Geek Media Core, your weekly podcast for all things geek pop culture. What's up, geeks? I am Mike, and this is issue. I'm sorry, this is the 11th issue of the Geek Media Core podcast, where I don't know half of you half as well as I should like. And I like less than half of you, half as well as you deserve. Joining me, as always, is a man who has no idea what I just said. But I'll get him there one day with Tolkien, just as I did with Game of Thrones and Harry Potter. What is up, Danny? You know, I was going to make a, a reference to Game of Thrones and say the longest winter was over. But you threw me for a loop with that Tolkien entrance. Yeah, well, hey, you know, since there's going to be no Game of Thrones here pretty soon, that's going to play heavily into a lot of the discussion in our TV time later. But before we get there, as always, as tradition dictates... 
did you watch, read, listen to, or play anything of note over the last week that was not a CW show? <laughs> Shit. Let's preempt you there. That takes out 90% of like what I, um, no, I mean, uh, Captain Marvel watched and we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, aside from that, no, no real binge time lately. See guys, he has a life. It's just aside from the CW, you removed the CW that like left me for like, so you're still binging arrow and flash again. I'm still going through it. It actually is. I don't know. I'm enjoying it. It's nice to again. It's nice to go back to the the show's roots, especially as uh, one of them prepares to hit the old dusty trails here soon, and and kind of see where this all came from. Especially as we lead up to Crisis on Infinite Earth, the best damn TV crossover that's ever going to happen in my lifetime. Wow! All right, um, more than like Mork and Mindy and Happy Days. Is that before your time? That's no, I know more. I know both of those things, but. Mork and Mindy was always weird to me. I'm not, I'm just going to say it. It was very, very weird. Um, I was going to say with the, all of the uh, Slay Day, the Sarah Michelle Geller and everybody talking about how it was 22 years since the debut of Buffy. Jesus and I started Christ. talking. Yeah, I know. I was talking with my, with our friend uh, Laura, who, who like us watches it all the time. And she was saying she was tempted to speed run it again. And uh, a friend of the show drew, who is actually doing his first binge of Buffy. I was tempted to go back to that again, but I didn't. I didn't. I was very, very, very tempted to. And, you know, I've actually been tempted to buy that Blu-ray set, but I've heard that, like, they try to put stuff, they try to make it widescreen, and you see stuff that was never intended to be in the show. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a really bad idea. So I'll just keep my grainy. I actually think the grainy look of those actually kind of helps the feel of the show a little bit. Um, I, but, would, I would speed through uh, Angel again, but that's my own personal preference. Uh, no, Buffy's still better, but Angel's right there with it. But I was going to say, I've been uh, reading, like always, and it's not a Stephen King book. Instead, I am reading the first book from one of his kids, uh, Joe, Joe uh, Joseph King, who actually goes by Joe Hill because he realized that his name was Joking. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know if that's why. That's just what I've assumed. And it's called Nosferatu, and it's got a, a TV series coming out on AV- AMC here over the summer. So I kind of pushed it up into my reading schedule to check it out. And... I read some of Owen King. That's that's one of his other kids' stuff uh, that he did uh, called Sleeping Beauties, and it didn't really do very much for me. So I was always kind of apprehensive. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to read their stuff just because I'm a big fan of their dad. But about I say about forty percent through this book, and if this is any indication, I, I'm I'm happy to say that it feels like the apple has not fallen far from the tree. He definitely seems like he paid attention. I don't think that writing is hereditary, but I will say that I think he definitely paid attention to the free education that he received at home. It's a uh, Pretty good. The TV show is going to have Zachary Quinto. That's uh, to anybody who watched Heroes. That was Siler. If anybody that watched Star Trek, the new Star Trek, that's Spock. Uh, he's going to be playing the villain in it. And the villain is really, really, really super creepy. I won't get into it, but we, when we get like an actual trailer for it, I'll talk more about the show as in comparison with the book. But it's a, uh, it's, it's quite different taking a a ride through a, a connected universe. It's not connected with uh, with his dad's so far. It's it, but he's doing kind of the same beat. So it's. Really awesome. It's kind of creepy. I think he might actually be like an Earth 2 version of, of King because you look at him now in the pictures when his dad was the same age and they look like the same. They've even got the same big crazy beard. So it's a, it's kind of cool for a King fan like me to feel like I've discovered like the the understudy. It's really, really neat. Danny's like, great. So I'll have more stuff to listen to. <laughs> uh, let's get into it, guys. I will say up front, I did not go see Captain Marvel. I stuck by my guns when I said that I needed the trailers to sell me on this movie. And I did not feel like the trailer sold me on the movie. Reading to that, anything that you like, I swear to God, it's nothing political. I'm just a comic book fan, and I don't get to go see all these movies anymore because there's too many of them. 
And I just said a character I don't know much about. I got to let the trailer sell me. And just like Ant-Man, Danny, they didn't sell me. But I know they did sell you. And I know that you went and saw the movie. And we're going to non-spoiler, guys. Don't worry if you haven't seen it yet. I think I'm in the, you know, like 2% of the population that did not see it yet. But uh, we're not going to go super spoiler on this. Danny might have to tell you like a couple things, like how the cat is awesome or something like that. Uh, <laughs> we're going to let him kind of take the floor now. Danny, tell me what you what you liked, didn't like, and where you think this is headed. So this is the twenty first film, from, which is insane to me. We're talking about film twenty one. Um, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I, I will say up front that the movie that you see in the trailers is not the movie that you see on. In the theaters, um, which I, I, it's not a bad thing. I, I, the trailers were fine. I just think that it undersold the tone of the movie, which is very much buddy cop between uh, Brie, Larson, Brie Larson's Carol, Dan- Carol Danvers and uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury. Uh, I thought, for the most part, I think a lot of the claims that Brie Larson was wooden, overstated, overhyped, overplayed. I thought she was fine I, when she is when she is allowed to lean into the Iron Man side of that character, she's very quippy. She's very funny. I, I can already see that she's going to have a lot of great scenes with uh, Iron Man, Thor, Steve Rogers. Like She can play off of all of those characters really well based on what I saw. And that, that, I think that's the most exciting thing I have for uh, Endgame. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is great. He, this is a, a lot of Samuel L. Jackson. This is a pseudo Nick Fury origin story. Uh, probably the closest thing we'll ever get to that. But it's great. Uh, he he's fantastic. You find out how he loses his eye. Um, they do a nice job with remembering that while this is Carol's story, that part of that ties into Nick, and of course, because this is Nick's story a little bit, part of that also ties into the future of the MCU, and you get to see a lot of those inspiring moments for him that would that'll pay off down the road. Uh, ben Mendelsohn, it is not understated. I am not <laughs> the show. He was so. I described it to a, a friend of mine on Twitter. Uh, it's like he's strutting. He's just strutting the entire movie. He's flexing. He's he's essentially, I think part of it is that he doesn't have to put on an accent when he's in his uh, Talos form. He uses his natural Australian accent and he's just, it's charming. He, he's good. He's very, very captivating in the movie. And- Can I ask you a question about him? Yeah. Would you say that this is the first movie where the Marvel, I'm sorry, where the Marvel villain outshines the Marvel hero? I don't know that I would say that they outshine. Uh, I think that there are some really great moments between the two characters. Uh, you know, I don't, I can't spoil it. There's a lot that I want to say uh, about his character, but uh, yeah, I thought he was great. Um, for those that are looking for Korath and Ronan to be redeemed, eh, there are more bit players than anything else. So maybe leave those expectations out the door. Um it does set up a few things. Uh, I got to call out Clark Gregg being back as Agent Coulson is great. I had that question. I had that question. How was he? he uh, he's it's it's Phil Coulson. I mean, he's he's always going to have those ties to the Marvel universe, and you know, and, and it does make you, it does make you want maybe one day we'll get a, a Coulson and a Fury TV series on Disney Plus where you get to see them uh, rise through the ranks together. But um, yeah, no, he, it was great. Overall, like the movie. Um, for those that were thinking that it's going to be too raw, raw, raw feminist, it's really not. I was actually surprised by how subtle it was about things, um, focusing more on the human aspect than the woman aspect. Although they do point out uh, she is a 
woman and it's Brie Larson. She's a beautiful woman and she kicks a lot of ass. Um, but yeah, no, it, I thought it was I, overall, I thought it was good. I wanted to see it again, but it snowed like another five inches on Saturday. So I just stayed inside. I, I can't even imagine that. I was, <laughs> we took the kids to the beach today, Danny. I mean, <laughs> that's how things are down here. Um, I think the reviews I've kind of heard from friends are, and, and I've, I've said this before, that I can't believe you've gotten to the point where seven out of 10 is considered a bad score. But I think the way it's been sold to me the most from friends and, and people that I trust is it's another seven out of 10 Marvel movie. It's a good time. It's nothing that you're going to be like, hmm, I got these 21 movies to choose from. What am I going to watch? I'm going to pick up Marvel. But it's also not going to be one. It's not going to be a Thor 2 where I'm changing the channel ASAP. So I think when you look at – I'm as this whole universe has evolved, I'm trying not to rank the movies against each other because there's some very distinct classes. There are the There's the sequels of the solo heroes that they don't have to deal with all the, the origin aspect. There's the team-up movies. And I don't think it's fair to compare the team-up movies to the solo movies because they are trying to do and accomplish – um, so for me, I break it down. Okay, where does this fall in the origin stories? It's better than Doctor Strange. It's better than Ant-Man. Well, that's it's, not hard. It's better than Thor. Uh, it's better than Incredible Hulk. So that, that's four right there. Iron Man is different because, I mean, without Iron Man and acknowledging Iron Man's place in the entire universe, this if Iron Man doesn't work, we're not sitting here talking about film 21. Mm. Uh, so Iron Man is, I think, the tops out of those. First Avenger is good. Um, I still think they underutilize Red Skull, and that's what always will keep it back for me. Uh, and then the Black Panthers made a shit ton of money, and even if you don't like the third act with all the CGI, it still made a shit ton of money. Uh, and that's probably where I put Captain Marvel is right there, you know, in that tier with those three. It's more that than the others. It's, it's something that's good. It's entertaining. By the end of this, it's on track to make a shit ton of money because it is the second biggest Marvel opening worldwide. It is the sixth biggest film domestically on an opening weekend, I think, if I remember that correctly. I can't keep up with all the records that get broken with every new Marvel movie. <laughs> it, made, it made over $400 million worldwide, made over $155 million domestically, which is more than we both thought it would. But I think we've had it pegged 120 Yeah, yeah. Has pushed Marvel as a whole over 18 billion. 18 billion. Well, that just shows where they're at because we both said we felt like there was no buzz for this movie because people just, that's just well, viewing for them now. They don't have to hear I mean, about it. It's just appointment viewing. Well, I mean, we say that, but I mean, let's look back to Ant Man and the Wasps. Ant Man and the Wasps, the first movie after Infinity War, it got a bump over Ant Man, but it didn't get Captain Marvel money. And I think anyone who tries to, and there are, there has been that argument out there because oh, it's ugly. Yeah, I know. It's trolls. They they've said, oh, it's just a Marvel movie, and that's why people went. No, look at the Ant Man and the Wasp. It's, even though that was funny in its own right, like it wasn't making it wasn't making anywhere near this money. And we're potentially looking at another movie that's going to cross a billion dollars worldwide. Okay, I got two questions for you here. One, uh, you know, I'm of that '80s that loves nostalgia. Now I know this is most '90s nostalgia. Did that 90s nostalgia hit you the way that 80s nostalgia would have hit me? The soundtrack is very good. I, a lot of the songs, I enjoyed it. Uh, if you like 90s rock, you'll enjoy the soundtrack. They didn't do too much of the nostalgia, not like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy did with the the trolls and stuff like that. But uh, the you'll you'll flip a little bit more for like. 
the comments about flannel and grunge and you'll flip for the music and um some of the some of the other things but it's not as heavy-handed as uh guardians of the galaxy was with the nostalgia man my freshman year of high school i didn't have it didn't matter if it was 120 out flannel was worn these days <laughs> uh, my last question i want to talk about the post credits because since i figured i was going to wait for video for this and it probably won't be on video before infinity war hits and what like Two months, less than two months. Uh, I went ahead and watched the post credits, so I would kind of know if there's anything that I really missed. Um, and I guess what I was kind of confused about is everyone was like, "Oh my god, it's like the most amazing mid-credit scene or something like that." And I watched it, and I was just kind of like, "Was it really, or is this just kind of like a program response from everybody at this point?" Because I, I kind of thought it was the same one we got after the end of Ant Man before Civil War. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the most amazing uh, end credit scene. I still, I mean, when you're looking and talking about end credits, to me, the one that always will rank number one for me is the Iron Man one, where Gary, yeah, because I wasn't paying attention to everything around the movie. I had no idea they were going to take this to the Avengers, uh, and for Fury to come out and say that shit, I was like, you know, I got to tell you something about that real fast. You know, when I saw Iron Man, I didn't even know about that post credit scene until no. I saw Incredible Hulk and Robert Downey Jr. is at the end. I was like, wait a second. So they're like confirming that these are in the same universe? And people are like, yeah, did you see the, the his uh, Nick Fury in part one? I'm like, what? Where? So that's how behind the times I was. Well, I and when I saw Iron Man in theaters, I was like in the middle of a movie theater and the people around me weren't moving and clearly not a tiny person. So I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to wait this out. And I'm glad I did because I saw the credit scene and I was just like, my mind was like completely blown. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not amazing. It's very similar to like the end of Avengers where Thanos flashes a smile where you're just like, Oh, okay, cool. I think. And again, I talked about this on Twitter with someone. I think people are hyped about it because they really want to see Thanos take that loss. And it's really weird when you think about it. Like I know you your son was one of many kids who was just like sad and like heartbroken. And I think all those somber feelings about like seeing Peter Parker, like, no, I'm not ready yet. Or like, oh, no, not, I don't feel so good. Mr. Stark. I feel like now everyone's coming and turned around and they're like, yeah, let's go kick some ass. Let's go kick that Thanos ass right now. I think that's why people are hyped about it is that they see that Carol Danvers is powerful. She, you know, they claim some, uh, <clears throat> strongest hero in the marvel universe i don't know that i'd go that far see that's what jeremy john said he did they didn't feel like he didn't feel like that they showed that in the, in this movie i would say that her power it, she's a powerhouse and based on what i've seen in the movie and what i know of the universe i would put her shoulder to shoulder with three of the other strongest avengers um two of which are gone so that leaves her and thor because thor took on the fucking full might of a dying star strongest avenger <laughs> <laughs> love thor ragnarok love that movie um but yeah i think that's why people are hyped is that she's joined the fight and uh everyone wants to see thanos get taken down all right i have some concerns but we'll talk about that in our uh, our end game preview because we'll just go on for this for the next 30 minutes and i'll start cutting stuff out uh so uh let's move on a little bit we're gonna stick with disney here the uh, disney fox merger is supposed to be completed on March the 20th. Uh, I, I have heard that Endgame is, the final edit is locked. There is no more adjusting it. So to think that they're going to throw anything in there, not going to happen, guys. Uh, bullshit. But, that is such bullshit. Oh, you, don't, you, think, you think it could happen? 
Okay, let's go back since we referenced it. Let's go back to Avengers, and they had show they had oh the shawarma scene. Okay, and the shawarma scene was literally added what maybe a week before, a week or two before the film was released because they all got together outside of one of the award shows uh, as they were going through the circuit and shot it to the point where Chris Evans is hiding his beard like with his fist because he can't shave it because he's in the middle of shooting another movie. Snowpiercer. Yeah. I remember that. Do not tell me that they can't cut a scene like that together where you couldn't have a character just show up. You don't, I mean, obviously it's not going to be CGI or anything, but you could do, you could still do. You want to know what I would do? I would just say, Hey, Chris Hemsworth, could you come down here for a minute? Okay. I want you to go out in the street and I want you to look up and say, wow, that's fantastic. And that's it. And you don't see what he sees, but he says that's fantastic. And you know what? There you go. Or you could just CGI in like a cloud of smoke or something. Who knows? Oh, you mean that fart cloud that they turned Galactus <laughs> into and Fantastic Four and the Silver Surfer? Yeah, no thanks. Uh, well, why my question about this merger being complete really was they had said that there was going to be no announcements about the next phase of Marvel movies until after uh, Far From Home, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home comes out. Do you think that was just him giving like a, a safe window because that's when he thought that the uh, the the merger would be complete or do you think we're going to get some announcements with this merger when it's done? And, and not only just the MCU, uh, maybe some of these other properties that they got about stuff that they're going to relaunch. You think we're going to hear stuff immediately or you think they're just going to kind of hang, be, play close to the vest until after end game and all that stuff's kind of over to kind of, they don't want anything still in their spotlight. I mean, you're, you're forgetting about the fact that dark Phoenix is going to come out. And I'll- yeah. Yeah. Everybody's forgetting about this. Danny. <laughs> I, I think that, Part of it is, you know, I don't think they're going to announce anything. I think because of in-game Spider-Man Far From Home and Dark Phoenix, they're going to kind of just like let everything play out. Uh, there was an interview with Kevin Feige a few weeks ago that I read, um, I think right when they were doing the world premiere for Captain Marvel, actually. And someone had pointed out like, hey, they've been doing three movies for a few years now and they've been go, 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 go. And then after Endgame, and of course, Spider-Man Far From Home, they don't have anything coming out until, I mean, I think the, the schedule is next. It's May, like almost a year, ain't it? May 2020, which if that is true, means that they have shot this movie because there's no way that they haven't shot this movie yet if it's actually coming out May 1st, 2020. What's that? What? What movie is in May 1st, 2020? I don't know. That's what no one knows. They don't have a movie scheduled on the... Oh, they just have a placeholder? Okay. They just have their placeholder for May 1st, 2020 and November 6th, 2020, which means that somewhere out in the world, they are shooting at least one Marvel movie. You maybe think it's the Black Widow one? I mean, it could be Black Widow. It could be... I mean, Doctor Strange 2 got kind of talked about. um, Who knows what's happening with Guardians of the Galaxy 3. So for... For me, I think they're going to cool their jets. I think they're, they won't announce it at E3. I think they'll do their own little thing and they have enough clout that they can put a special on ABC, rake in some advertising dollars and release the schedule that way. And I, I think that they're going to take a little victory lap, take a little breather. And it's well-deserved because they've like 20, 22, 23 movies by that point in 10 years. That's, that's a lot. Yeah, I think it could also help uh, people kind of recharge the batteries because I, I mean, if you don't think Endgame is going to be emotionally draining... No. I mean, it, Infinity War was emotionally draining. I mean, there was people who didn't go see Ant-Man because of it, because they were just it was just still processing it. It was so soon after it. So I, I don't think we'll get maybe them. We might get some some announcements of uh, 
some properties outside the MCU that they're going to continue that are Fox properties. Uh, you know, they've we'll get we'll hear about Deadpool three, which they said there's going to stay rated R, which means it's going to stay under the Fox uh, logo. I guess you want to say yeah. they say that they still will be releasing movies under the Fox umbrella. So basically, they're going to own it, but that's going to be like their not Disney safe movies, I believe. So I mean, you know, that makes me want to know. How do you feel about this? Would you rather Deadpool be PG-13 and show up in the MCU or just stay on his own and be rated R? Uh, he can stay on his own because his movies are only worth watching once. And then- <laughs> I also kind of think that I think that it being not necessarily that it's cheap, but that he's not with any of the other characters and him basically venting those frustrations during the movie. You know, that we couldn't at least like loan us one of the other characters or something like that. No. I think that kind of fits with Deadpool. So I think it's smart to keep those separate. But uh, that aside, I think we'll get, we'll get some announcements, maybe some, some uh, series that have been kind of faltering that they're going to announce or doing new stuff with like alien or maybe the Aragon series or something like that. But I wouldn't be surprised though. Um, if down the road, instead, of, I don't know if you keep the Fox name or keep the Fox studio stuff. I, like to me, that doesn't really matter to the most audiences. If they do do the whole rated R Marvel line, I do think that eventually you'll see something similar to what they did with the the comics imprint. They had their Marvel Knights line. You'll see a little bit of a rebrand. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw branding similar to that, where you can kind of differentiate. This is Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe, and like these are the Marvel Knights or something something that signifies rated R universe or one offs or what have you. Um, and just for the record. Uh, so filming for Spider-Man Far From Home, which was the last one they shot, started July July 2018 for a movie that's releasing July 2019. So they might not be shooting yet, but they're at least in pre-production for a Marvel movie. And if they aren't sure. not casting out there, it's got to be one of the sequels. I don't know. They're pretty damn good about keeping secrets. Uh, we'll see. I'll say this about the, the Fox Disney thing is – Guys, it's been about a year since we talked about Star Wars in the show because we kind of made like a, a agreement that, that all we were doing was fighting and arguing about Star Wars and it made it not fun anymore. So we just took a break from it. You want some goodwill with me for Star Wars Episode Nine? Put that Fox fanfare in front of it again. You'll own it. Just give me that. Do, 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 do. Give me that before Star Wars movie and it'll feel like I'm back home, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, I'm kind of jealous uh, because um, Danny texted me the other day and said, Due to some uh, connections, he might be getting to go see Shazam soon, like all these other people have seen Shazam soon. So he might get to see it way before me. And yeah, uh, I will yeah. say, I, I can cut you off and say it. If I get if I get to the theater in time, I will be seeing Shazam on Thursday. Wow. Well, that's awesome, man, because from what I'm hearing, this is going to be an incredible movie. Uh, the impressions that we – I guess it's – what do they call it now? You're allowed to have social media impressions before the review. I, I guess you're about to have like one or two tweets about it. You're not really allowed yeah. to spoil anything. But uh, if you go by these, it's, it suggests that this is the second straight hit for the DCEU. Um, before I ask you the main question of does this – Danny, do you think that, that Warner Bros. has finally got this figured out? Uh, my bigger question is – Unlike Aquaman, unlike Justice League, ones where we thought it was going to be overly positive and then it was still kind of mixed when it came out, I do not see how any of the tweets we saw about this can turn around and have a not super positive review. Almost every, I mean, almost unanimously, your favorite word, fun. But the thing, the phrase that I heard the most that, that just made me just super excited to hear was this is if Steven Spielberg's Amblin in the 80s. 
made a superhero version of Tom Hanks is big. And that's what you've kind of been saying the whole time. That sounds incredible to me. So, uh, yeah, I'm right there next to my kid now as being like super, super hyped for this movie that I did not expect to be because I don't care about Shazam. So, uh, <laughs> where are you standing right now? Are you super excited about this? Well, I'm excited because I'm going. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have a, a friend who's into the superhero movies and we usually talk about them at work and. I'd asked her, hey, are you going to go see Shazam? And she's like, what's Shazam? And I was like, how do you not know what Shazam is? And the trailer. And she's like, holy shit, this looks funny. I want to see it. I'm like, uh, and I was like, well, I got a second ticket. You want to come with? And she said, yes. And Let's see, we're getting dating dating advice here, guys. Not, no, not a date. Not a date. But in one trailer, in one trailer, she was convinced that this was good. I don't want to know. I don't want to say that they figured it out because, you know, once is luck. Why I forget the saying, but I want to see it two or three times in a row before I, I'm like really there. But I, I feel like they're close. You got to look back. Yes, Marvel was always planning to go to the Avengers eventually, but they focused on the movies first. I mean, Iron Man is a very down to earth pseudo war movie. Captain America is a period piece. Thor was a like sci fi here in the park kind of thing. And the Incredible Hulk is whatever. Um, and then Iron Man 2 is like really like super comedic and not that not that great um, but they took those five movies and then they like and again Joss Whedon deserves a lot of credit because it shouldn't have worked they made one cohesive film at the end of that make your movies make your Aquaman be this like epic king piece with like twinges of horror make this be make Shazam be bright and funny make Wonder Woman be another period piece in the 80s with like big hair and shoulder pads and all that. And then worry about the other stuff later. Just make the good movies, get people invested in these characters and start asking, oh, what would happen if Shazam met Aquaman? Like, would they just bro out together? Or like, how? Like, let the audience drive you there. Don't don't worry about, all, don't worry about catching up to, to Marvel because there's enough money out there for everybody. I won't say that they figured it out, but I will say that uh, William Hamada, who is the guy, the architect behind the uh, Conjuring universe, who is running this show now, I think he's better at putting his finger on the pulse of audiences and knowing what they want. You know, it's it's like I used to say uh, when the whole WWE and WCW war was going on, Vince won that because he gave the people what they wanted. WCW did not do that. So I think he's realizing now, okay. We can have this little super dark Snyder verse that like this tiny minority just thinks is the greatest thing ever, or we can give the people what they want. I think that's, I mean, you look at the money. We obviously know that's what the people want now. Apparently they want to have a good time at these movies. They don't want to go home feeling like they need to take a shower because they were just in such a dark, dirty movie for three hours, you know? So if this is the way it's going, Hey man, it's great. And again, I could care less about the Shazam character. The fact that, that, that they may be really, really excited to see this. Good marketing. Very good marketing. Again, I'll go back to the, the first pod that we had about this. In the right hands, this is a story that it works. It is. I, he convinced me, you guys. I was like, I have no interest to see this. And he, he actually sold it in that episode. What if you gave a kid superpowers? This is, in part, this is like a little bit of Spider-Man learning power and responsibility. This is a little bit of wish fulfillment. Like, you really have, if you... Love the character. It's just an easy story. Like this is an easy story to tell, and thankfully, it seems like Zach Levi 
loves the character and he's really invested in this. And it makes me want to tell you guys, go watch Chuck, the TV show, if you haven't. That show was before its time. It was before the superhero craze really exploded. It's a couple years before its time. It's a great show. Great, great show with Zach Levi. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Stick it kind of into Shazam verse, I guess you'd say. Uh, his top villain is Black Adam, who we all know The Rock was cast as a decade ago. Well, we said last week we don't understand how they're making the Shazam movie without Black Adam. Well, dude, like the next day we got news about that and about the, the Deadshot. We'll get to here in a minute. Uh, calm down, Swan. Uh, <laughs> the Black Adam movie apparently is has a script in place. It's ready to go. And it's going to include Hawkman, Stargirl, and Adam Smasher. And Danny, you being a big Legends Tomorrow guy, I got to ask you, is this a secret Justice Society of America movie? It could be with that cast. I mean, Hawkman has somewhat been retconned into being a JSA member, slash he reincarnates so he can be both a JSA or Justice League member. It's weird. He's got a weird origin. Um, don't watch Legends Tomorrow, Hawkman. That's just bad. Uh, <laughs> what was he there JSA, for, like, five minutes? <laughs> no, Hawkman is a first season JSA, and the Hawk Hawkman and Hawk Girl are just so, so bad. It's so Ugh, that first season of Legend of Tomorrow is rough. I never made it past it, so I agree. If you make it to the last three episodes, there's payoff. But once those characters leave, and Vandal Savage, who, God, they bastardized Ben. Cobra Commander? <laughs> <laughs> Anywho, back to this. I think it is a secret JSA. I think it could be a period piece. Um, because JSA is typically World War II era. Um, and for whatever reason, people eat up World War II movies like candy. I don't get it, personally, but... I think you do that and you can have Black Adam because he's a magical, mystical based character end up in modern times confused as hell and hello, World War Three. I could dig it. Um, I mean, it's, it's got the rock. Back. Here's what I want. I don't want them taking, because it's the rock, I don't want them taking Black Adam and making him like an antihero. I want them. But I mean, in the comics, he does, he does turn into that antihero a little bit. Like, he's not overtly villainous, even at his most evil quote-unquote i'm just glad this is finally happening so i mean I, I really thought that a black adam would be in a shazam movie but you know i'm more excited about this than i am the trench let's put it there guys i think this is a much much better idea i didn't think they'd touch hawkman you know since they're like since warner brothers seems to be terrified of a green lantern because of that one movie they made forever ago i didn't think they'd be touching hawkman either because that's probably an even bigger sell or some of these Suicide Squad members we're going to talk about in a minute. I thought those were an even bigger sell. But, you know, maybe with Hamada in charge, they're, they're really like, hey, let's not be scared of these characters. I mean, they're, they're going further and further away from Batman and Superman, the only movies that they made forever. And now we're getting a, a trinity of Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Aquaman, for God's sake. So uh, anything's possible at this point. I will say this, though. In the comics, based on origin, Black Adam is a king pharaoh leader of a country, you know, I would love to see The Rock versus Jason Momoa in like a little battle of the kings one day. Okay. Hell yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Take my money. Uh, Let's talk about that new Suicide Squad. uh, First, we got to talk about last week. We're like, so are they just writing Deadshot out of Suicide Squad? Are they going to recast? Well, dude, like I was editing the show from last week and the news broke. The, the internet's hero, Idris Elba, is the new Deadshot, which I actually think is really cool. Actually, that's a pretty good casting. 
No, you're not digging it. Look, unless there's a time jump, how does how does he magically become Idris Elba? Like, you have to explain that. Like, you can't just pretend it doesn't happen. And all of a sudden, Deadshot now is Idris Elba, who probably will have an accent. Like, did the Enchantress like <laughs> wiggle and like do something to him? You know, like, I think it's going to kind of be like if we ever get a Justice League movie, they're going to kind of pretend that first one didn't even happen. But I would say that, but it's, it's also going to have Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn's coming back in this too. Yeah. Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. I'm sure she will comment on it then. Okay, cool. There will at least be some acknowledgement that there is. Oh, a- your voice is different. <laughs> get a haircut. That's the favorite. That's the favorite. Uh, I don't know. David is back as the wall. We both love. Yeah, of course. That's that's perfect. Uh, What I want to talk to you about, though, is the new team members. Uh, We we had talked about the ones we'd see. We'd seen Poison Ivy out there. We'd seen Black Hand. We'd seen Reverse Flash. And we're like, okay, that's cool. Um, About the only one we were close on is King Shark, which I think is like the most. If it wasn't going to be King Shark, it was going to be KG Beast. But I think they kind of sort of use KG Beast in Batman v Superman. I I don't know. Anyway, but the new members. Ratcatcher, Peacemaker, and wait for it, the Polka Dot Man. I am trying not to be like one of those people like, holy shit, what's going on? Because I remember when everybody was saying the same thing about Guardians of the Galaxy, myself included. So I'm just going to kind of trust James Gunn on this one. Uh, Apparently, it's going to be a very, very big Deadshot story. So why uh, maybe polka dot man's the one who's going to have to lose his head at the beginning of the thing, because I can't see anything they're doing. If you're going to make me take something called polka dot man, seriously. Uh, either that or rat catcher, or maybe hopefully both just like eat a bullet real fast because uh, those are garbage characters. Peacemakers kind of interesting, but Dave Batista, write it down. Well, I mean, that's the rumor is that Dave Batista will play Peacemaker, which means he won't eat a bullet. Uh, King Shark is awesome. I love King Shark. Yeah. Uh, the Flash has done such a great job with King Shark. And also, like, the King Shark in that show, holy crap, last week it looked amazing. Uh, oh, I meant to look that up. I meant to watch the fight. <laughs> watch the pay-per-view. <laughs> I imagine this – I mean, if Harley wins there, she'll play a role into it. Um, but um, the cast – I mean, the new squad doesn't ex- do anything for me. Like I have a theory. What if this is what they're telling you, and then the first trailer is going to come out, and then you're going to have the real team revealed. These are all guys who like <laughs> get the bomb. It, this hope, whole team gets the bomb at the beginning. <laughs> I hope it's a swerve, and I, I hope it's exactly like the X Force. X Force, yes. Hyped up X Force and Deadpool too, and then they all just like ate a bullet, like in the first, like five minutes of action of, of them. Um, but if it's got if it's got, you just saw was a great actor. It's got him. It's got the wall. Viola Davis, uh, I'm I'm there. Like I'll watch it. Like, Give what? Viola Davis a bigger role. Uh, do what you're gonna do with Deadshot because apparently Idris Elba is the greatest actor of our generation. I mean, I got the new the new people that uh, that I'm working with at Geek Vibes Nation. Uh, we had like a that writers room I told you about, and we had like a very very long discussion because they all they all love them some Idris Elba, and I'm just like I don't get it. I don't hate him. I just don't get it. Why does everybody want him for every single role? And I told them. <laughs> And they were like, oh, no, they only want it for, like, James Bond and Green Lantern. That's the only thing everybody – I was like, bull, I see it for everything. I was like, go to the Dune Reddit. They've cast him in every role in that movie, including the females. <laughs> so, <laughs> the internet I, wants Idris Elba for everything, and I don't get it. My only wish for the Suicide Squad, you know, I, it's if it's uh, if it's gone, it's going to be weird. It's going to be funny. It's going to have quirks. Just do a, jo- a better job uh, – on the premise of what is bad and what is evil. Give me a better 
clear distinction on on that, and I will be good. And give me real villains, not like little warp monsters or whatever the heck that was with the, the floating trash in the sky. The Enchantress was a real villain. No, I'm talking about the like, little, little, little like warp monsters that they were fighting. I, I don't know. I can't even remember that movie anymore. Uh, so, hey, it's James Gunn. I'm going to trust it. I'm waiting for Danny to put in his Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 dig somewhere in there, but we're just going to pretend it didn't happen and, uh, and, and just, and just, uh, just move right. on. We're going to pretend Volume 2 didn't happen. Thank you. Never. I will never pretend that because it's the second best Marvel movie. All right. Uh, don't we're spit getting... out when I'm drinking because you almost have me spit out this drink across the room. <laughs> Well, if it's LaCroix, I understand. Um, now we're going to go a couple things here that Danny is not crazy about, and that is uh, the Lord of the Rings. There is a lot of Lord of the Rings news. Uh, two things, in fact. So there is one that, real quick, I want to talk about. Um, the Tolkien trailer about the uh, the the coming of age, I guess you say, of J.R.R. Tolkien, or, or the pre-Lord of the Rings writing J.R.R. Tolkien, showing his basically a coming-of-age story with him, how he uh, came up with the ideas for this and his brotherhood of friends. Um, you know, he's very, very close with C.S. Lewis. I don't know if they're going to show that in this movie. Uh, C.S. Lewis is the one who wrote Narnia, the Chronicles of Narnia. Don't know if you even know that one either. Uh, you know, being all uncultured as you are and all. But uh, I was just going to say, I think that this 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 trailer looks, I want to see how this trailer looks as someone who really doesn't know Lord of the Rings because I just think it looks like a damn fine movie. I mean, it looks like a part war movie, part beautiful mind. It's, it looks like a really, it's Nicholas Holt. I mean, I just love Nicholas Holt. I think everything that movie that guy is in, I think he's better and better. And I wouldn't be mad if he was Batman, by the way. Oh, snap. He said Batman. Did you even watch the trailer that I sent you? I didn't see the email until like 730. Uh Um, And even if I did, I probably wouldn't have because I I, (laughs) Tolkien. I I really don't. So there's just no draw. uh, Okay. Well, it's like the 1910s where he's attending college and he's talking to his uh, future wife about writing a story. And then he has, then he gets called to war and it's showing like his experiences in a, in, in the great war uh, and, and how he's coming up with the ideas for the story. It just looks like a really good coming of age story. The fact that it's Lord of the Rings in it is just a bonus for me. Uh, something oh, I do, I do know, you know about is Aladdin. You want to talk about oh, Aladdin? Oh God, no. Cause dude, Everybody was clowning that teaser trailer about how bad Will Smith looks. But hey, they're like, hey, here's some more. Here's a full length trailer. By the way, this came out really quick after that. I know if you didn't notice, that came out. That This feels like damage control. And it didn't work, in my opinion. This yeah. still looks like the cheapest Disney movie ever made. It worked. It halfway worked on me. It halfway worked because I, my concern is no longer Will Smith. Will Smith's genie. Like. Apparently he's blue when he's animated and doing genie stuff. When he's a, a regular person, he's Will Smith with a weird haircut. My, he's always Will Smith. He's always Will Smith with a different haircut. Every movie. Oh, I, I did point out, I'm like, it did, uh, his genie gave me Hitch vibes, and I'm kind of here for that crossover. All right. All right. Um, Underrated my biggest, movie. My bigger concern is, A, it does look, it looks like a, like a community theater the just everything looks cheap about it uh it's everything well most things look cheap about it jafar looks cheap aladdin looks cheap jasmine looks like jasmine and like her costume looks like they actually invested some money into it what about jafar jafar is uh, coming to get you aladdin <laughs> and then they end it by giving you a little little bit of a whole new world and jasmine can sing like that, that was great. I was, when she started saying a whole new world, I was just like, I'm there. Already better than the singers in Beauty and the Beast. 
And then Aladdin sings and it's not good. And I don't want any part of this. Like, <laughs> I'm going to watch it because I, I feel like I need to, to be in that conversation when everyone sees this and like, it's like, holy shit, this was not good. Um, but yeah, no, Aladdin is the biggest uh, question mark to me now. Cause he just, he doesn't have that like swagger of the animated Aladdin. Cause at least that guy was cool. That guy could fake cool. This guy does not seem cool. This guy, no, he seems like I could shove him in an alley and like he would just whimper and like go away. You know what? Most people from my generation get mad anytime there's any kind of remake, reboot, anything like that. I'm not like that. I'm like, hey, they've got these properties. They're going to make them. If you don't want to see it, don't see it. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, it has to be Robin Williams. I, dude, no one's expecting Robin Williams. That guy was one of a kind. I don't need it to be Robin Williams, but. It just the movie just looks cheap to me, and you know Dumbo is getting its reviews are kind of middling for Dumbo. And this looks kind of crap. This has got me kind of concerned about Lion King now. No, I'm not concerned about Lion King because Lion King looks great. Hey, here's what I'm concerned about Lion King. They said the only song that's not going to be in it is my favorite fucking song from that movie. Be prepared. So I'm concerned about that. They would know about that. <laughs> All I know is Will Smith is as the character genie. It's fine. Like they gave me a lot more like Will Smith being Will Smith. And I love Will Smith. I grew up with Will Smith. Sure. He's a likable guy. And when you let him be himself, he's very likable. I just, man, that Aladdin and that Jafar does not intimidate me. Jafar looks like I would just yes. like Jafar. I just laugh. And, another, and another thing while I remember it, and I'm getting heated about this. I love Alan Tudyk. I really do. Genuinely love Alan. Tudyk. Who is, I saw you tweet, but who's he, who's he voicing? Uh, Iago. The parrot? Yes. Gilbert Gottfried is still alive, you guys. Yeah, got come on. Actually, all he does is voice work now, so why the fuck wouldn't you get Gilbert Gottfried to reprise his role? And I'm sure Alan, I don't like Alan Tudyk. I really will. I, 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 do, I genuinely... Firefly was, forever, but no. Uh, oh, man. Gilbert Gottfried is right there, you guys. He's right there. He's like, give me a job. Yeah, I mean, they gave James Earl Jones Mufasa... So I mean, it's not like it's something wrong with double dipping there. Oh, that's, no. that's weird. I, so that I found that out after the trailer, and I just I am not okay with that because he's right, he's alive, he's right there. Well, look, uh, John Favreau, uh, you know, our Happy Hogan, he uh, he did Jungle Book, and we both like Jungle Book quite a bit, and he's doing Lion King, so I feel like that's safe. Well, I mean, like like. For the most part, Jungle Book is a faithful reimagination. Like it has all the bits you want. They even worked in some of the songs, even though the tone was not quite right for singing, but whatever. What we've seen of The Lion King, it looks faithful to the original. It's, you can't really fuck that up. Like I, I would be stunned if they fucked it up, aside from, I guess, missing your favorite song. But yeah, no, Aladdin is, I think there's, it's like caught in between. That's what it feels like to me. It's caught between being this fantastical, magical thing, which it needs to be because there's a genie and a carpet and talk and a talking parrot. And yet at the same time, it wants to be very realistic because there are people and kings and queens and princes and princesses. And because they didn't pick a like they didn't pick a pathway, you're getting this 1980s really bad costuming, really bad set design. It's not going to win a damn Academy Award for anything because it just looks, it does not look good. And I, I'm surprised that Disney is pushing ahead with this. And you want to say, I grew up with Will Smith, bro. I grew up with Will Smith when he was still a parody rapper. 
Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare on my street. Yeah. Parents just don't understand. Yeah. This is before Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm always going to love Will Smith. So of course I'll see it. This is my, me and my wife still argue to this day. She's team Aladdin. I'm team Lion King. We always argue this. I mean, there's two great movies. I don't know if I'll say anything about it. So we just always jokingly argue with her. And, and, and the one that we split the difference on is L- the little mermaid. So little mermaid is supposed to be the one that comes out after Lion King. So I'm just saying if Dumbo does poorly, Aladdin gets kind of lambasted. I got to wonder if they're going to start being like, okay, let's pump the brake on these live action remakes. But probably not. It's Disney. You know, I mean, Mary Poppins I mean, didn't do that well. It's not like they're stopping anything. I mean, at least put some dollars into production for Christ's sakes. I just can't believe the costume looks that cheap. That's what I just can't get past. Costuming should be the best part of this movie. It really, like, they yeah. should, when it comes to costuming and like production design, they should be blowing the doors off of people. Because it's not, apparently it's harder than I think. I was about to say it's not that hard. That's not the case. There's a character on The Expanse, which, as you guys know, was on the budget that Sci-Fi Channel had. And there's a character named Christian Avasarala. And basically, she dresses like you would imagine that Jasmine would dress. And her costuming on that cheap-ass budget looked amazing. I can't imagine why they can't do that with Disney's budget. This seriously looks like Party City cosplay. I don't know. The CW just put out a CGI shark versus a CGI, (laughs) and it looked amazing. Shark built an arc reactor with a box of scraps. And and you have infinite funds, Disney. I just don't get it. I always love that line in Iron Man. Tony Stark built this in a a box of scraps. I'm not Tony Stark. Um, (laughs) Here we go. Uh, Don't worry, Danny. Because this is what's going to surprise you. There's a Stephen King tidbit here, and I don't have a lot to say. Because Stephen King's The Talisman, uh, this is a movie that they've been trying to make for decades. It finally has really got a director, Mike Barker. He's the guy that did The Hands Made Tale. Um, yeah, so I thought, okay, this sounds good. And Outlander. I don't know if anybody here has watched Outlander. I haven't watched Outlander. Um, the Talisman is a Stephen King book I haven't read. Got it right there. Have not read it. Because Stephen King's so-called magnum opus is an, a seven, now an eight, book fantasy series called The Dark Tower that most people have probably heard of, mostly because of that terrible movie. But um, the last two and a half books, I mean, this is, this is a series that went like 30 years for him to write. And the last two and a half books in that series hurt me so bad because they were so terrible and so awful and so anticlimactic. That I didn't speak, I guess you say I didn't speak to Stephen King for like three years. I didn't read anything he wrote for like three years or whatever because I was so mad about this. And The Talisman and Eyes of the Dragon are his other fantasy novels. I've just decided I'm not reading any fantasy King. So I have never read The Talisman. What I know about it is it's about a kid going through an alternate dimension apparently to find the uh, this talisman that can cure his mother's cancer or something. I think she's on her deathbed. That's what it's about, which sounds cool. Sounds, sounds intriguing. I think this might be the first one where I, I would not, unless this movie is actually coming out, which I'll believe when I see that it would get me to actually read this because I'm still so mad about the dark tower and it's not even the same series. It's just, I was that mad about it. So don't worry, Danny, I'm not going to tell you, you got to check this out. It's really good because blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, I don't know anything about it. No, neither do I then. <laughs> if, it's dude, if it's got the dude that did the handmaid's tell that gives it immediate credibility. But have you watched Handmaid's Tale? I think you'd like it. Uh, it came up today. I, I I'm looking for a Hulu login. I'd say if you get what that deal I did, where it's one dollar a month for oh. Hulu, I I'd recommend the first season's terrific. First season is just just the acting all around is just terrific on that. 
Uh, Jordan Peele. Uh, this is a guy that's come out a lot on our show. Uh, we're both fans, apparently. Uh, we're both excited about Twilight Zone. And obviously, we both talked about Us a lot. Uh, the reviews have come out. It's up to 47 reviews on Rotten Tomato. It is at 100%. So I'm guessing uh, it looks like he's not a one-hit wonder. Uh, what I've told you is that I kind of I'm got that guarded optimism because everybody told me that Get Out was like a game changer of a horror movie. And I thought it was a really, really good thriller. I didn't really consider it a horror movie. It was a really good movie. I said it was like it was ironically is what I said was that I thought it was a really like a really good episode of Twilight Zone. That's before we knew he was going to be doing a Twilight Zone series. But if this is really like I think it was bloody disgusting. It was a horror site that I follow saying that it's actually like really legit creepy. Then, yeah, man, I'm excited. I might actually go to the theater and see this because I'm super, super excited. This is actually something that's going to make me squirm in my chair a little bit. And guys, anything that gets Danny interested in horror, I am all for it. Danny, you going to do it? Uh, I will be there uh, opening weekend for damn sure. Uh, here, here. I was going to say, you know, a horror, psychological thriller. And that's the vibe that I keep getting with the trailers for us is psych- more psychological thriller. But there couldn't be scares. I know I've sent you a couple of tweets about reactions and a couple of the reviews that I've read. Uh, everyone seems to say, like, it, Jordan Pill makes you laugh. He makes you gasp he makes you you know he, he, there are some moments i guess that legitimately scared some people because they admitted to yelling you know yelping in theater i'm excited about it i'm excited because it, it all by all whatever your tilt is with reviews everyone keeps saying it's a good movie um everyone keeps saying that lupita nyong'o is should be nominated for an academy freaking award for her performance in this movie which is insane um, but I mean, again, that speaks to the power of her and everyone even says that the kid actors, uh, more than pull their weight, uh, apparently, you know, it, it's not a, it's not a race movie like, uh, uh, what's it called? Get out was, um, yeah, I, there's nothing that about this movie that makes me think that no, you don't go see it. No, don't go rush out and see it. Uh, opening weekend. I'm, I, I can't wait. Like, I Removing the superhero movies, I can't remember the last time I was this amped for a non, for a, for a movie. And, you know, Jordan Peele has quickly made a name for himself. And, you know, he's only, this is only his second directed movie and he's involved in like a hundred different projects right now, it seems, um, as an actor or as a producer. Um, but yeah, no, he's getting to the point where Anything that he does, I, I want to at least check out because he, I mean, he's he got the golden touch right now. I am always in support of supporting horror at the theater. So, yes, give them your money. And, guys, the baby steps. Danny went and touched horror. And now he's going to see two horror movies this year, this and uh, It, part two. So, yeah. Part two. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Probably get there before. <laughs> Probably get there before he get into Lord of the Rings, and that's a perfect segue to move into uh, TV time because I want to talk about why I have said numerous times that I think that the over the, just the stupendous amount of wealth that Jeff Bezos has, he's he's kind of like how um, I said I can't believe Bill Gates is kind of letting Steve Jobs have this whole iPod thing and, and just kind of let him have that one. It's kind of how I feel about this. I feel like. I can't believe that Bezos is letting Netflix kind of take over the streaming thing. I think he's going to seriously make a run at trying to 
because I mean, there's people like you that are like, I'm not interested in getting the Amazon streaming service. I think he's, they're making some really good steps to uh, get some people. And I'm going to base that off of three shows that are, are coming. Uh, first off, they've gotten the rights to uh, the wheel of time, a very, very, very popular fantasy series that I actually haven't read, but I'm very, very interested in reading. Uh, that is a, that's it, it's actually just went into production. They're, they're writing scripts. They're starting casting now. Uh, they've already ordered it to, to series. Uh, then, of course, we talked about the Lord of the Rings that they've got the rights to. And Neil Gaiman's Good Omens uh, got its first trailer. And that's got uh, your boy David Tennant in it. And John Hamm. I'm sorry. David Tennant's my boy. John Hamm's your boy. Uh, I have not read Neil Gaiman's Good Omens. All I think I've read by Neil Gaiman is, is Stardust. I wanted to read American Gods because I know everybody talks about that show, too. But I'm saying is he has a very big following. Neil Gaiman has a very big following. Lord of the Rings obviously has a very big following. And Wheel of Time has a humongous following. And for the longest time I can think of between fantasy dorks, uh, it's the argument has always been, what's the better fantasy series, the Lord of the Rings or the Wheel of Time? Game of Thrones kind of came out and just kind of just, you know, stole its lunch money when it came to TV. But I mean, Lord of the Rings, obviously, it's been around for a uh, hundred damn years now and everybody just still can't get enough of it. And then you got this Wheel of Time is a 14 book series. So I'm like, how the hell are they going to adapt this? Apparently they want to do like two seasons at a time. And you look at when these things are talking about coming out. Two fantasy series, the two most popular fantasy series in written form ever, right when Game of Thrones goes off. I don't think that's coincidental. You know, Lord of the Rings, they said, oh, it's going to be a young Aragorn series, which apparently was just a, a red herring because they've come out and confirmed that. I'm get this very basic dorkology here. The movies take place in what's known as the third age. The series is going to take place what's in the second age. What that means in, in non-nerd translation is it's about 3,000 years before the events of the movie. So we don't have to worry about you know paying fan service to these, these actors or these characters. We can kind of do our own thing. I'm excited for that as a fan of Lord of the Rings because it's what I've always wanted to do with Star Wars. Take it away from the Skywalkers. Take it thousands of years in the past or the future. Take it across the galaxy. you know, And that's what they're doing with this. So these two series... Right when Game of Thrones ends, and then this Good Omens from uh, Neil Gaiman. I think they, that, that that marvelous Miss Mizell. I I, I didn't really particularly. I only watched the pilot. I, I wasn't really crazy about it, which is weird because I love Gilmore Girls. I don't even care. That's the, the same the same <laughs> showrunner. Because um, <laughs> I'll always have some person be like Gilmore Girls, really? Yes, Gilmore Girls, really. Um, it's great series. I'm just saying. I think Amazon is in, on the up and up, and I, I think it's going to really take off. They've got the two biggest fantasy franchises ever under their umbrella right now. I think that that's perfect timing with Game of Thrones going off to where even Game of, even HBO is like, what are we going to do? Oh, let's make a spinoff of Game of Thrones because we don't know what's coming next. But Amazon spent $250 million just to get the te- television rights for Lord of the Rings. And apparently with the time and money that they're sinking into, it's going to cost them over $1 billion when it's all said and done for what they're going to sink into just the Lord of the Rings series. They're playing for keeps here. I'm not worried about this being some Dungeons and Dragons or Legend of the Keeper kind of thing here. This is going to be quality stuff. So I'm, I'm just, this is the golden age of TV, Danny. This is it because I mean, we've gotten so much Game of Thrones opened the door for people who are not interested in fantasy. There are people like you who just got into it that now are like, okay, maybe I'll check out Lord of the Rings. Okay, maybe I'll check out this Wheel of Time show because, hey, it's why not? It's face. It's just got dragons and it's got swords and shields. I want to see more of this stuff. I think it's going to catch a lot of those casual viewers that we weren't expecting. And that you're going to start to see Prime subscriptions go up. That's all I'm saying. 
the nature of binge watching makes it more accessible to to not only like watch these series but give it a legitimate chance where the hard thing with tv watching and is that you have to you watch an episode and you have to wait a week and you watch an episode you have to wait a week you watch an episode you have to wait a week and then by the time there are three to four episodes in that's when any sort of feedback or criticism can actually start to affect production of a tv episode uh that is if the audience hasn't completely built on it after three to four episodes with binge with netflix amazon stuff like that the reason why this has more of a chance is because you let someone just tell their story and you don't have to wait you can just watch it whenever at your own leisure and i think with a with i think with fantasy sci-fi stuff like that i think you need that i think you need to let people hey i love this i want to just watch it all or you know what? I like it, but I need to slow down and, and, and watch intentionally. You know, I say that because Game of Thrones, not like Game of Thrones season one set the world on fire. It didn't start to like really. Right. People forget that now. Yeah. It, it didn't become like Twitter's number one Sunday night thing until like season, season three. three. Yeah. yeah. And that's because at that point, people could go back, watch it at their own pace, at their own leisure watch it again, watch it again, understand which of these characters live where. And I think you need something like that. I think that that's why those shows are more successful or, or will be more successful on the Amazon, Amazon Netflix side of the fence than you see on TV. Well, you know, something that Hulu gets crap for and they've kind of stopped is they have their original, like Handmaid's Tale, huge series for them. Um, Castle Rock did really well for them, but they still only did it weekly. They didn't drop the entire season at once. This Future Man show, they season two came out. They dropped the entire thing. So I don't know if they're trying to get into it. Amazon, I will. I didn't. I haven't watched very many Amazon original series. Uh, I think the only one I watched was Red Oaks, and that was after it was done. So I'm hoping with a show like this that they do drop the whole thing and give people the, at least the option do, with, with something. The world building is something like Wheel of Time, which I haven't read, just the stuff that I've heard about it. I, I am reading it after I finish Nosferatu, by the way, because this series is coming out and because my friend Nick, listener of the show, thank you, buddy. Hey, when we were roommates uh, in our 20s, he, it was actually, I was asking him, okay, I've read Lord of the Rings so many times. I want a new fantasy series to read. What should I read? And he says, Wheel of Time. You should definitely read Wheel of Time. I started reading the first book. Couldn't really get into it. But I think, you know, things have changed. You know, I'm trying. I just wanted another Lord of the Rings and it wasn't Lord of the Rings. You know what, what book I picked up after that? A Game of Thrones. <laughs> so it's it's funny how these two are just kind of always going to be tied together. But yeah, like you're saying, give people the option here. If you want something with that much world building, if it's too much for them at once, let them sink in. Let them watch one at a time. But also, if they want to binge run it like a lot of people do. Like say, that's all I like to do anymore. Drop the whole thing for them. So it's 14 books though. So I'm thinking they're going to want to do like two books a season. So they can do about seven years because apparently the events in this, this, this book series take place over three years. And they're not doing 14 seasons guys. Cause I know that some of the fans are already mad. Why can't it be like game of Thrones and get like a, a full, a full season per book? Well, because this series is finished guys. HBO thought <laughs> hmm, if we do one book a season. Maybe he'll catch up. Nope. Uh, that, that, that's neither here nor there. Those we, books will never come out. I don't even care. The, the, the last, you know, my wife's on the day. God, in this, he's like, she's, my wife says today, you know what? In the next book, if he ever releases, it's not even the last one, is it? I'm like, no, honey, the last book comes out in a couple of weeks. That's where I am now. I don't even care about the books now. Will I read wow. them if they ever come out? Sure. But I, I've waited this long to get the ending to that story and someone else is going to give it to me. So, you know, that's just where we are now. Uh, we both 
talk numerous times. I'm pretty much almost getting to the point every episode about how much we love Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Taika Watiti, director. Uh, apparently, he's helming a series for Apple. Is Apple having their own streaming service coming out? God damn it. Stop it, guys. Apparently, he's <laughs> helming a series for Apple based off of the 80, 80s British movie Time Bandits. First off, uh, again, I'm not one of those that's like, oh, you can't touch anything from my 80s. Yeah, yeah, it's an enjoyable movie. I like too much. It's kind of in the Monty Python kind of thing, but, but a little more serious. Um, first, I was like, I don't know. It's an interesting concept and all, but Taika Waititi, I'm going to be interested in giving it a shot. I'm just going to say, <laughs> if he's not going to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3, I'm going to be interested to see what he does next. Uh, you said 80s and British, which leads me to, <laughs> leads me to believe that it's campy, which oh, it's very campy. It's hugely campy. Which leads me to believe that uh, Watiti probably grew up a fan of this and is about to like take this campy thing and make it like super weird and interesting. And yeah, no, sign me up. Uh, if but no not, more streaming services. God. If he's not doing Thor four, like yeah, sure. And yes, Thor four is a thing that I I want. And uh, two years ago, I would I would be like, no, I don't need to see Thor. Guys. Went to Thor Ragnarok, arms crossed. I don't want to be here, but I told Danny that I'd help him review this episode. We only and went for this damn podcast. Third favorite Marvel movie now. Crazy. So crazy. Good. All right, well, let's get more in your wheelhouse here, Danny. And that's the CW TV. Uh, CW, CW, is it the DC CW or is it the CW DC TV? How, how is it pronounced? I don't even know. Just uh, the DC everyone, TV. Everyone just refers to it as the Arrowverse. Oh, well, the Arrowverse. Uh, apparently, it's going to be going on without Arrow because... Uh, Stephen Amell was on his Twitter the other night and, and kind of like me a misty eye. And I don't even watch the show anymore because I mean I remember when that was just selling to everybody. You got to watch Arrow. This is so good. Um, but he he announced that season eight will be the last, and just he seems just like super grateful for this, you know. And I, I need if they're setting it up to where it's good, like you're thinking it's gonna be crisis, man. I'm I think that's gonna be a, a, a just bring the waterworks, man. Because uh, even if it's, even if it's predictable, I think at this point it's just gonna be it's gonna be legit. Uh, yeah. I mean, doing the the whole binge rewatch thing, you you really see why he's grateful because that first season, it's a great season. His acting is is okay. It's pretty one note. Pretty one note. It does pretty much acting like a dick to everybody. Um, to see where he is now in season eight, and even though the show, the quality is up and down, hit or miss. Him him as an actor, he is come so far and the stuff that he gets nowadays uh especially the last two three seasons that he gets to sink his teeth into like yeah i can see why he's grateful i mean obviously the show made him a star it's given him much more opportunity than he ever had before uh, the fans have embraced him they're they're rabid when it comes to all things arrow um which is a thing that i didn't realize until a few weeks ago um uh, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big deal. And I mean, I got a lot of press and a lot of pub and I imagine that they will do their best to send this out on a high note. And I always like that shows get to know when they end because now they know, cool, these are the story beats we want to hit. These are story beats that we're going to tell. And of course with Arrow, the ending puts it at crisis on infinite earths. It's kind of... I don't think it's as obvious as Oliver Queen is going to die. I also don't think it's as obvious as Oliver Queen is going to ride off into the sunset with a happy ending. I, I don't think, I don't think either of those things happen. 
of course, he could die, and it could be a hero send-off, and he could get, you know, the happy ending, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go with this. He's already said just because Arrow's off the air doesn't mean that Arrow's gone. That's what I was going to ask you. If this universe is going to keep going, he could still, if he doesn't die, he could still show up on one of these shows occasionally, right? The CW president, I think last week, he, he kind of gave the hints of, yeah, that th- there's a, there's a new generation coming. Uh, and this is where you kind of see it happening. Arrow is at season, will end with season eight. Flash is heading into season six. It probably doesn't have much longer to go. Although, you know, they've gotten better about letting Barry be Barry and not, making him a dark brooding superhero. Supergirl is heading to season five. You've got Black Lightning entering season three. Legends of Tomorrow is probably going to fail. Every year we think it's the last year. Of Legends, <laughs> uh, but you've got Batwoman coming on for season one next year. There's been talks of giving uh, Tyler Hawkland, who's played Superman on Supergirl, giving him a Superman-led series. And uh, given the reaction that people had for him and Lois Lane on Elseworlds, uh, doing the Elseworlds crossover, uh, it seems like that could be a thing that happens. I'd uh, be interested in that. I'd be really interested. I think he, I think he is a great Superman. I think uh, given where they left the characters off in Elseworld, you could see a different kind of Superman, which would actually be really great. Um, Dad Superman is something I really want to see. Uh there have been talks of maybe doing a Birds of Prey. I don't know that we need another Birds of Prey, especially with the movie. And, and we don't need the movie. <laughs> uh, but there's definitely talks of continuing it. And, of course, with the, the DC Universe thing, you could do a Constantine show on that and have it bridge the gap. And you yes. can, there's been talk. I mean, Vixen is a thing that they did on the CWC and on and on and on. So I don't think it's the end of it for by any means. I think they are definitely moving into that second phase of what are some new different heroes that we can tell these stories with? Um, because there's an audience there and people love this universe. And given that the flash again, teased red death, I'm going to just say it. Stephen Amell playing red death on the flash as a villain would be phenomenal from a storytelling perspective. Cause you could have Barry Allen deal with, Oh, my hero is good. My mentor is gone. Oh wait. Now we've have this evil doppelganger that looks like him. And you can really fuck with a lot of people. That That'd way. be a good twist. It's a great story. Plus, the the design for Red Death is awesome, and I'm 100 for it. Uh, a couple of questions about the Flash here. Uh, apparently, they're changing showrunners for season six. I don't know who either of these people are. Todd Helbing is leaving, and Eric Wallace is taking over. Uh, any concerns or uh, excitedness there? Uh, Todd has been on the the showrunner since season one, so I mean, this has been his vision, his story. Uh, I think Eric has been involved with the show since season four. So he's at least familiar with it. Yeah, but new blood's good sometimes. Yeah, I'm not, I I think he's familiar with it, but I think he can help tell different stories. I I think, you know, Flash has regained its footing this year by remembering that Barry Allen works as a character when A, you involve his family. B, when you cut down on a lot of the side sidekicks and C. No emo. Well, yeah, make Barry laugh and smile and be hopeful. And they've hit on all three of those notes. The villain is a little wishy-washy, but I more enjoy this season because I like seeing uh, Grant Gustin play Barry as a dad because they have his daughter from the future time travel back. And the Flash, there's a lot of time travel. They ever do the Flash Museum again? No, they they actually showed the Flash this year. Uh, Fantastic. That's where the Red Death hint kind of came through is that there's a display there. So 
Yeah, I, I'm not worried about it. I think as long as they remember Barry is a hopeful character and Barry cares about his family, it'll be fine. Just, just let, same thing I have with Arrow, where everybody that showed up was an archer. Everybody on the Flash doesn't have to be a speedster, guys. You can do that. They've, they've gotten away from that from a bit. I mean, they haven't had a speedster since Savitar. Um, I don't. Again, even if Red Death was the villain, he's a speedster. But I mean, in the comics, Red Death is an evil Batman who gains the speed force, and so it's Batman. If they do the Arrowverse version, it'd be an evil Arrow who gains the speed force. So, if you can't have Batman, have evil Batman. That's- I mean, so, it can't be. It can't be any worse than the Batman that's going to be on Gotham. <laughs> or, God, don't even want to talk about. It. Or you know, if the Flash just wants to bring back Reverse Flash, I'm always for that too. Because Reverse Flash, yeah, is- Reverse Flash is awesome. Uh, guys, this is this is something really weird. We you know we don't talk too much about real life scandals or anything like that. But it kind of made me think back to when we talked about the the Allison Mac. That's Chloe from Smallville. For anybody who doesn't know her by name. We would we would just went on and on about the Allison Mack uh, sex cult slavering story that broke a couple years ago. This one today, I saw a tweet come out that said that Felicity Huffman, that's a uh, Lynette Scavo to you, Desperate Housewives fans out there. Holly. We both love Desperate Housewives. Yes, no, no shame. Uh, Lori Lafton, that's uh, Aunt Becky from Full House, which I actually didn't watch. So there. have mercy. Even when I was a kid, I thought that was too childish. And more have been. Uh, Basically, they got indicted for being part of a college admissions bribery scandal. Um, I'm guessing that I'll understand the whole idea behind this as my kids get older and I see how hard it is to get them into a college that they really want to go to. But basically, you think about these elite schools, you know, your Dartmouth, your, your Yale, your Harvard, places like that. That's like really, really hard to get into. And I guess apparently they were making donations to people that would get them ahead of other people that get their kids into these colleges or something. I never even knew something like this existed before today. This has got to be the most bananas out of nowhere story I've ever heard. In fact, when I saw the tweet first came by, I checked the account to make sure it wasn't like a parody account because what in the world is this about? Uh, apparently there's a, I mean, for those who, who don't follow, apparently there's like a big 50 plus person ring of... Yeah, it's not just them. They're just the biggest names. They're biggest names of rich people who have gone to, I guess, quote-unquote, a fixer who sets up their kids to college admissions anywhere um, through bribes of... I think it's the range is like 100K all, all the way up to 6 million, which, by the way, if you're spending 6 million to bribe someone to get your kid into school, fucking use that money to hire a tutor sponsor like an athletics team or get your name on a building somewhere. And like, you can do that, which everyone, everyone's made that joke. And it's all, it's like, it's funny, but it's also like, Oh yeah, no, people actually do bribe schools legally to get their kids into school. I, is the, the plot you just laid out. Sounds like the plot for a new uh, skulls movie. Remember those movies, that movie, the skulls. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what they sound like. <laughs> that's exactly what this sounds like. The skulls, a secret society here. I don't know. It's, it's a weird story. It's just like, why? What? What does it matter? First of all, some of the schools, like the Ivy League schools, I get it. There's prestige connections, et cetera, et cetera. Some of these kids are they're bribing. They're using these bribes to get them into USC. USC is a not that hard to get into USC. 
You could just have to be like a basic ass dude. <laughs> that's that's like that's like just like a step below getting into University of Texas, guys. It's, it's I, you gotta have good grades. It's not impossible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's just to me, it's it's I'm stunned because it's like cool, you're illegally bribing someone to get into like state schools, and I, I just don't get it. It's weird. The fact that Lynette Scava was sitting in jail, it really does seem like something out of a desperate housewife. I saw the tweet that said that uh, Felicity Huffman's like on an airplane and like the FBI is waiting for her to land so they can arrest her. I was like, this does sound like, wow, that season nine of Desperate Housewives is crazy, guys. No, she turned herself in. Like she was arrested peacefully at her house. Lori Laughlin. Oh, is it the other way around? Oh, okay. She wasn't home and. You know, everyone was making jokes like, oh, man, the twins are they're, they're like they got the getaway car. They're heading to Mexico. Um, yeah, this is weird. It's a weird story. It's it feels weird to joke about serious trouble for other people. But Twitter made this very amusing today. I'm not going to lie. No, this is exactly what Twitter was made for is to make this amusing. But of course, the best tweet about this entire thing goes to uh, James Vanderbeek because they the FBI, as they gave their press release, they called this whole operation Operation Varsity Blues. Oh, and I want to pull up James Vanderbeek's exact quote because I, I want to do it justice. Um, That's Dawson Leary, you guys, from Dawson, Dawson Leary. Leary uh, but he was also a star in Varsity Blues. And right. His tweet says, if only there was a succinct turn of phrase these kids could have used to inform their parents they were not desirous of their life. I don't want your life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is too at, good. If you look at the replies, there's a lot of that one gif uh and there's a lot of the james vanderbeek gif where they're just it's applause and this is peak twitter we have hit the best the best use of twitter that you could possibly have i love james vanderbeek for this tweet i really do it just made my day it made everything uh yeah definitely one of the weirdest stories that i I, i've heard when it just seems like there's something new that we're all fighting about on social media every day something like this just kind of Again, like I said, I, it's awful for people whose lives and families are probably about to be destroyed. But, you know, I always say don't do the crime. Don't you won't have to do the time. But um, it, it was it was kind of nice for, you know, for five minutes where we're all <laughs> we're all at someone else's throat instead of each other's for a change. It was kind of it was kind of neat. Uh, I don't have any. Vi- we usually close with video game stuff. And I don't really have any any video game stuff to talk about right here before E3. I don't think you're really going to get uh, very much. The only one really is a PS4 thing that this day is gone game that's been delayed forever is finally gone gold and coming out in april uh, i'm so pc console guy and pc guy now to really play console very much anymore especially after red dead redemption stole my money uh, <laughs> i feel like uh I, I probably won't be playing this one and danny doesn't have a ps4 so he won't be playing it um no. did you pick back up our rdr2 yet red dead redundant 2 yet I have I have not I I've, I've been sort of eyeing a switch and I kind of want to switch I really want to switch. It's a good purchase. I mean, it's a very very good purchase. I I feel like at this point you waited this long, you might as well just wait until they announce the PS5 and then you can get like the PS4 and like it's five best games for probably the price of a PS4 now if you wanted to do that. It's like I tell my friend, he was like uh, at the bar the other night. He was saying, uh, you know, I think I was finally going to start this Game of Thrones. You want to go ahead and loan me the Blu-rays? And I was like, did you wait this long? You might as well just wait till it's done and just just finish it all, you know. So, I think he's actually planning on. I'd say maybe you start it now. You'll probably be ready for the race. Like, no, I don't want to wait at all. I was like, all right, well, you'll probably fly through them pretty fast. So I'll give them to you at the beginning of April. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We're, the, we're we're just over a month away. 
You excited yet? Said they released the episode links. By the way, it's a it comes to about almost eight eight out wait eight hours for six episodes. Like the last three episodes are four hours combined. So I was like, I wish they I wish they'd have made like the last two episodes, which were are, are about about two hours and forty minutes. I wish they'd have made that like a blockbuster movie and released it in a theater. I mean, it's just it's crazy to me to think that two months from now, roughly two months from now, we'll know the end. Game of Thrones will be over. We will have been. We will have survived the snap. End game will be over, and we're looking at a whole a whole new like geek landscape. Like it is. It will be changed. I know. All we'll have looked forward to is episode nine. <laughs> Which I mean, think about. It. We still have. We don't know the title of that movie. We don't. We haven't seen a trailer for that movie. It's insane that we have. Like, there's just nothing on that movie. Again, Disney not like looking to steal any their own movies. Thunder mm-hmm. won't hear about it. You said till celebration. So yeah, it's yeah. By the end of this year, the Skywalker family is done. Yeah, I saw Oscar Isaac today saying that's a definitive ending. So I was like, yeah, I guess they don't have anyone left to kill, do they? <laughs> MCU, the the first saga of the MCU done. Game of Thrones done. There's got to be something to fill the void. Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time, I'm telling you. One of those is going to be huge. I want to say it's Lord of the Rings because of the standing it has, but as of these Wheel of Time fans, right? Apparently that's the second best-selling fantasy series ever behind Lord of the Rings at like 80-something million copies. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. So, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, planning, on, I'm planning on being suicidal and starting book one of a 14-book series. And these books are big motherfuckers, too. So, uh, that tells you how, how, how committed to it. That I, that, I, that I am because this show's coming out and I can't dare let something come out without reading it first or else, you know, it might not meet my expectations. Fuck you, George Martin. Fuck you forever. <laughs> I hope they kill you in the finale of Game of Thrones. <laughs> the, the, crazy, the crazy thing about it to me, yes, he's got money, he's well off, whatever. If he releases both of those books, he just, the sales from the book, from those two book sales, and then, like the repackaging, like master edition of like all the books together, the, the man is sitting on a pile of money, and he just like just does not give a shit. Yeah. And he's too old to really enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Happened too late for him. Um, I, I don't really have uh, anything else, but uh, I don't know. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to, to, to go on so long about the fancy stuff there. I just I really think that Amazon's gonna make a run at this. They're gonna be they're gonna do, they're gonna be close to the HBO is. I'm telling you. HBO's in trouble. HBO's got a. I'm saying. HBO is the Spielberg in this conversation. They haven't had. They've they've been living off the legacy of one thing, and they don't have anything in the barrel. Well, not not one thing. I mean, they had Sopranos. Oh, sure. I'm sorry. Yeah, Sex and the City was huge too. Yeah. Sex and the City, The Wire, Soprano. Like they've had a nice run. Now they need to adapt. It's adapter. It's adapter die. Evolve or die. Adapt or perish. There it is. I mean, that's the crazy thing about it is that we're talking about HBO and it's not, we're not too far gone from like they were the toast of the award shows and just like racking up the dollars. And so now they're doing the panic move and they're saying, oh, we're going to start putting out a lot more content now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would help if you don't take three years between seasons, Westworld. It would help if you didn't have a sucky second season, Westworld. True Detective. <laughs> Uh, so I think we are going to have a Game of Thrones preview show. I know we're going to have an in-game preview show. The problem is I think those 
Will this be like on the same weekend? I don't think so. Well, Game of Thrones is April 14th. So let's and then and then Endgame is April 24th. So yeah, it'd be the weekend after. So I think uh we'll probably do the Game of Thrones one like a week ahead of before the, the premiere, and we'll probably do the same with Infinity War. Uh, if you're interested on coming on that show, guys, let us know because we are looking for more people. And, and you know what? I go on my my Twitter feed and I find people talking about Game of Thrones non-freaking stop. Come on here and talk with us. We hope to get Kyle back again because Kyle's got some theories that are really, really good. Kyle came on this last year and he had a theory that broke my mind. Both of y'all had theories that broke my mind last year. Yours turned right. out to be true. So, yeah. And always Infinity War. I don't think we'll have a problem finding people to talk about either of these things. Or not Infinity War. I keep calling it Infinity War. Sorry. Infinity War 2. That's what I'm going to call Endgame. it. Endgame. It's the end game, Tony. Yeah, it's the end game, Tony. Uh, yeah, and you know what? And I will close by saying I do think that you brought up a really good point in this that I didn't say when you said it. I do think ranking the ensemble slash team up movies versus the solo MCU movies is starting to be unfair. Because I look at the the top of my list and it's very very team up or ensemble heavy. It's Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers. I even Thor had Hulk in it, so that's still kind of a team up, you know. So they're just they they're trying to do different things. There's the origin story which is trying to set up a, a new corner of the universe. There's the follow-up solo stories, which are trying to tell the hero's journey. And then you've got the team of stories, which for some of them, it's paying off all of these threads that they've that they've tied together. And some of it, it's um, setting into motion a new phase and stuff like that. Like, th- I mean, Avengers 2, as much of a disappointment as, disappointment as it was, it's, I mean, the, Avengers 2, the end goal there, aside from making money, was setting up thanos essentially like that's all it did is set up thanos a little bit more first mention of wakanda too yeah well yeah that's right that's vibranium it had claw in it yeah Yeah, yeah. hell it had claw in it longer than black panther (laughs) (laughs) all right we can go on and on about this that's what our our, uh, in-game show will probably be like three hours because we'll be reminiscing about the first 21 movies and that's her 20 for me maybe i don't know I don't know. 21 movies. That's insane. Yeah. 21 movies. And when you consider that maybe two are considered unwatchable, you know, that's, that's the dark world is the worst and it's not even close. It's so bad. You know, I thought that it was a disappointment. I remember that. And then when uh, my kid was getting old enough that we started watching them all, we started watching all of phase one and we loved it. Started watching all phase two. And I was like, we got to Dark World, and that was one where all of a sudden I noticed my kid was zoning out and playing with his toys, and I was kind of looking at my phone. I was like, yeah, this one hasn't aged too well, guys. Because <laughs> I remember living in the theater being like, it, yeah, whatever, it's forgettable. Whatever, whatever, it's fine. And we couldn't even finish it a second time. So I've never watched it a second time, come all the way through. I've watched it more than once. I don't know how I've done that. And I think we had that in Iron Man 3 back-to-back. Whew. I Iron Man three to me gets better with each viewing, especially when you look at the Tony Stark. first hour is great. When you look at the arc of what Tony Stark has done, like I think it's a very pivotal movie, pivotal movie that Avengers two Civil War that that's made it better. Um, Iron Man two, you know, I saw there was this fan edit where they edit Iron Man two and three together into like one cohesive narrative, and it's supposed to be really awesome. I should look into that one day. If they just toned down the jokes by about like 40% in Iron Man 2, it's, I think it's a good movie. There's just too many jokes. It's too funny. And maybe cut down all the Avengers nods that they tried planting. Hey, Hulk was on the TV or 
something. I don't know. I talk about the hammer in New Mexico and there's a Captain America shield that's like on the desk and yeah. All right. Well, I can't wait till uh hear your text about uh how Shazam is. Uh, I figure you're either going to be like, this is incredible, or you're going to say, I was super disappointed. So I'm hoping it's the former, not the latter, because I'm so broke up about your uh, about how you were on our Aquaman review. So uh, <laughs> I'm hoping to, I'm hoping to get the uh, the opposite experience. So enjoy that if you make it. And uh, guys, I guess we'll talk to you next week if there's news. If not, uh, stay plugged in at uh, gvnation.com. Got new stuff coming out over there every day. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Okay, geeks, thanks for listening to the show. Now, if you didn't get enough geek material to help you through the week, you can always hop on the TARDIS here and check out the archives on the homepage, Facebook, YouTube, or iTunes. Also, take a moment and subscribe on iTunes and leave a star rating if you get a second as it helps others to find the show. To find us, just simply open iTunes and search for Geek Media Core. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter. The home account is at GMC Podcast. Mike is at Zep1978. And Danny is at DC underscore 612. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk at you next week.